How do you stay motivated and focused? One of the benefits of turning my hobby into my job is that motivation and focus is never an issue. Most of my problems stem from the opposite. I find it hard to step away from the work and concentrate on other things. I cannot claim, though, that my working days are a whirlwind of laser focus and slick productivity. I'm guilty of wasting time writing amusing tweets, checking the football results and faffing around online. I fight this by trying to stay offline in the mornings and leaving my phone in the house. I can write well anywhere that does not have the internet or people talking. I'm editing these words on a park bench with no power, no watch and no music to distract me. The website blocking program www.freedom.to or the self-control app on Macs is invaluable for removing the temptation to be distracted. The temptation itself is a drain on my brain even when I don't succumb to it. Blocking the internet and keeping my phone in another building is much simpler than wrestling with my willpower. Rather than fighting negative factors, I work hard to build up positive daily habits. Once something is automated in my head, I don't need to have exhausting mental tussles with myself. I've used a habit calendar to help me write regularly, exercise regularly and so on, ticking off each day's accomplishment and building up streaks of successful days. Doing good things every day without thinking about them is much easier than thinking about doing good things every day. I've never considered this before, but there is a type of pressure when working alone that is probably different from working in a company with many staff. I make decisions on my own that will determine the direction of my work for a year or more at a time. This is a significant percentage of my entire working life, so it's important to choose the right projects. Not only must they hold my interest for that long, but they also must result in an output that interests others and earns enough money to be worthwhile. This is what separates a hobby from a job, after all. Should I go on this adventure or that one? Should I write this book or that one? Should I change the focus of my speaking work? Should I record another podcast series, even though I don't have a sponsor? It may pay off in future series, but it might just eat up time and money that I should allocate elsewhere. Once I commit to writing a book, I must then knuckle down to a year of slog whilst also keeping an eye on current cash flow and paperwork. I can imagine that some people would not enjoy this jack-of-all-trades life. Much of my work these days is done in six-week sprints between school half-terms and holidays. My children are at school for fewer than 200 days a year. <laughs> Maybe I should have remained as a teacher after all. And this severely limits my writing time. Chuck in weekends and I simply don't have enough time to indulge in anything less than full speed ahead work. I set myself false deadlines to get projects completed. With rare exceptions, I never allow a film edit to drift beyond Friday into next week. When I'm publishing a book, I impose strict deadlines to get the project finished. Almost invariably, this involves at least one night when I do not sleep at all. Foolhardy, perhaps, when I could just do it later at my leisure, but I respond well to pressure, even fake pressure. Pressure helps me get a lot of good work done quickly. I also use deadlines like Christmas or the end of the summer term 
as an incentive to get a book finished and available for sale. I do a lot of work in batches, particularly repetitive tasks. For example, I did all the grunt work of uploading my podcast episodes over a few days. I could then forget about it all, despite a new episode coming out every week for a year, complete with scheduled blogs and social media posts. Doing it bit by bit over a whole year would have taken much longer overall and distracted my brain regularly. All of these require a bit of discipline and the establishment of effective, efficient practices and habits. But in the end, the main reason that I keep at it, day after day, alone in my shed, is because I relish the work. Quick question. Do you have to keep doing big trips to be an adventurer, or is it okay to live off the legacy? This is one of the conundrums of my life. I feel personal and professional pressure to keep doing new and interesting things. But I'm also aware that whatever I do, people only ever ask me about micro-adventures or cycling around the world. Question. What is your backup plan or alternative career path if adventuring doesn't work out or your circumstances change? It is crucial for anyone wanting to be a working adventurer to consider their backup plan. I know that I often toss around gung-ho phrases like just do it, take risks and be bold. But in the beginning, I did all those things with the helpful fallback of being a trained teacher. I knew I could get a job if the adventuring didn't work out. So be bold, yes, but be pragmatic too. I used to describe my decision to cycle through Colombia at a period of high military volatility as being based on pragmatic recklessness. Minimise and mitigate the risks, absolutely, but at some point you also have to roll the dice. If you're going to take the bold leap to become self-employed and never need to shower again, have you thought through the sensible practical considerations too? In terms of what my backup plan is now, I honestly don't know. I no longer want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a pensioner still going around giving talks about my youth. Yet, I've not come up with any realistic alternatives. I want to get into a position where I can write books full-time, and writing is more compatible with getting old or ill than adventuring. I've also been daydreaming for many years about becoming a postman on the Shetland Islands. Question. What's the closest you've come to throwing in the towel? I've toyed twice with the idea of stopping the work I do and becoming a magazine editor. In the end, I decided against the switch because it felt too narrow for me. Usually when I get fed up with my work, I just change direction and focus rather than thinking of quitting it all. This probably happens every three years or so. After a long time in my shed, working alone, I feel very cut off from the real working world and I don't really know what other job I might enjoy. Whenever I try to imagine something different, I feel immediate resistance at the thought of being told what to do or even being the boss and having the responsibilities that come with that. I think I'm destined to remain in my shed forever, evolving in isolation like Darwin's Galapagos finches until I'm extremely well adapted for this specific environment, but no other. <laughs>